Jordan's subjective. Jordan's subjective. Jordan's subjective. Jordan's subjective perspective. <laughs> yeah, we are we are live with Mason Gillahan. I pronounced that correctly, right? Yeah, Gillahan. Okay, I figured. I figured, but it's currently twelve forty-three at night. It's it's my birthday too, so. Happy birthday. Yeah, it's actually cool because um. So I started this podcast a little bit before, but I like started hitting it harder on my birthday last year. So this is like, nice. in a way, this is like the year anniversary today. So, oh great, great, glad to be a part of it, man. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, what topics do you want to start with? We've been talking for like an hour already. Um, out of those questions that you asked me, those topics or just uh, topics in general? Topics in general. We could go to martial arts. We could go. Honestly, there are a lot of topics we can just go in on right now, so. Yeah. Um, well, I'm okay with, like, the, when we talk about legalization of marijuana um, from a political, psychological, and scientific perspective. An objective. Mm-hmm, an objective kind of conversation, and then if uh, your audience likes and wants to hear more, we can get more guest speakers. they got to help out. Um, that's a good topic. Uh, one that you brought up what was it like the productivity of society and limits of technology? Oh, well, um, yeah, I'll just hop in with that question right now. Okay. How should we measure the success of a society? Hmm. So deep. <laughs> I guess a lot of this goes to like. Are we talking about financially? Like. I, per I, capita, like getting into analytics of things and numbers. If that's what you want to judge economy, about. A lot of this ha- happens to be correlated with whatever economic system you prefer, I guess, as well. Because if you well, want to value money, then capitalism is probably your approach. Or if you want to... I mean, yeah, you know, the prag- pragmatists are people that are like black and white. They look at success in the, in the numbers kind of concept, you know? Uh-huh. Like, oh, they have a lot of money per capita heart is a you know GP guard but thing is you can't have those numbers you know success um, without really knowing what it takes to be successful which I think is all about people um, I think when Wait, are you per- talking about like personal success or this was success as a society right like the productivity uh-huh. yeah uh, how People are working together. Oh, and, okay. And people understanding people, in a sense. And in the sense that you have good leadership skills, that you're good at team building, that um, you have a genuine character that is able to build, instill trust and, you know, likability in it. So, like, let's say you're in sales or you're in marketing. You're not, and, I, and that's my profession. And you're not going to buy my product or... Or if I'm a recruiter, you're not going to join my team if you don't like me, if you don't trust me, right? Uh-huh. So I think, you know, just a, a genuine sense of how you treat others can determine your success. It's a long way because people do have a lot of weight on your success. Um, so I, I would say you can measure uh, success by... How well you work with people. Okay. And okay. how well, you know, leadership skills are, where you are at team building. And, you know, if you're, how can I say it, like selfless, have more of a servant's heart. So, from like a societal standpoint, maybe right. like in empowering, like unity. encouraging, unity, the, mm, collaboration, in, encouraging the interdependent mindset. So, more of like the mm-hmm. oriental approach to society. Exactly. Okay. But not in the sense of like a collectivity within government like socialism, communism, and stuff like China. Um, but a lot of, I feel like a lot of those those Asian societies, Oriental societies that you're saying are becoming a lot more successful because they are less individualistic. Uh-huh. And I'm not saying take away America's individualism, but be able to harness each and every one's individualistic strengths uh-huh. and combine them work together as one big army 
That's okay, like, so make like a body of armor. Cohesive exactly. way to optimize the, the strength of everybody coming together. Exactly. Absolutely, yeah. So what, what do you think? Uh, let, you let learned me ask that you this. The military. So like, like obviously the U.S. is doing a lot of good shit. Yeah. We're doing a lot of cool... I, I, I like this country. I like this country a lot. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, so like, like, what do you think some of the cons of empowering the individual kind of derive from? Well, I was about to get into, you know, we're talking about productivity of society. I feel like right now, it's two different fields. Um, two, two different um, areas you could classify, like our generation millennials, for example. Okay. There's the super high-speed, ambitious types that are starting IT companies at 19 years old, getting into real estate at 20 you know, starting their own businesses right out of college mm-hmm. or, you know, going to work for companies as an executive, like, straight out of college because there's not only, like, a sense of a high level of uh, IQ or intellectual ability um, and prestige within their academics. But general um, ambition as well. It's just working hard, work ethic. So that, going back to measuring success is how hard you work. Like, honestly, whatever you want, whoever you look at, professional athletes to corporate executives to the the world's best salesman, like Grant Cardone, for example, the one thing that allowed them to be where they are is they worked harder than everyone around them. So, Or did they you know, work what, smarter? Yeah, or work smarter. And so what are you going to do when thousands and thousands of people want exactly what you want? What are you going to do when thousands of people around you want to be an executive? What do you want to do when a thousand's around you? you? Want to be a professional athlete? You work harder. So there's two different categories. There's the people that understand that concept of work ethic, mm-hmm. and they just know it because they've been thrown to the wolves and they've been eating shit, uh-huh. but doing it with a smile on their face and be able to stay optimistic and not give up. Mm-hmm. Or they were they were raised that way, came from an authoritarian kind of household that was you know made them work hard all the time, do chores and stuff, and. You know, and didn't just let them play video games all day. Because then you have this other group that's super complacent and lazy. But don't you think, like, both groups kind of understand that the that hard well, work's necessary to get and there? This, this is where I'm getting about uh, America and the individualism. Okay. So these like, the people that, that work the hardest, uh-huh. they're the ones that end up being the leaders and being in charge of the lazy and complacent people that just want a nine-to-five job and uh-huh. just sit and have an easy lifestyle. Yeah, but, yeah. They complement each other because then this person that has all these goals that they want to accomplish, like running their own company, running their own business, you know, being in some sort of leadership position, they're not going to be able to do that successfully without having a lot of people that are wanting to be complacent. You know? Yeah, both, both are necessary. Imagine if both groups were equal in the sense of ambition and work ethic. And that's how I feel Asia is. More equal? Okay. More equal in, in the sense of work ethic and just ambition, in a way. I mean, it's, I had a friend that was a rapper. <laughs> he would do some rapping gigs in L.A., in Kansas City. He was in Kansas City. He was a little drunk one night, but, you know, he's getting turned down <laughs> by some girls at the club. And he's like, man, with all them Asian bitches. I love Asian girls because they come here to make money, not take your money. <laughs> I was like, that was kind of funny, but then I was thinking about it. He's like, you know, you are so right. That's why I like independent girls. Exactly. But actually, no, on that on that exact topic, uh, this uh, a relevant example of kind of what you're talking about today is that I, so I was at Garth, which is a dining hall on campus in Missouri State. Yeah, I'm familiar. And uh, so I... I went there to go eat, and when I'm going to get some coffee, this guy walks up, and he's like, he's just a worker there, mm-hmm. and he's like, hey, I'll get the coffee out for you, and he, and he's like, how's your day been, man? And I was like, okay, this guy wants to talk. I'm like, I'll, I'll talk to him for a few minutes. And I'm like, oh, my day's been pretty good. How about mm-hmm. yourself? And we just go back and forth, and just just talking to this guy, you could tell he derives a lot of, like, sense of purpose and a sense of meaning from his job like he called exactly he, he's like hey i'll fill up my coffee he's machines. pride in his work he takes a lot of pride in this mm-hmm. this what i you know, like if i was working i'd find it to be like a meaningless job and he was working very hard like he was like like he had to scrub some stuff down i was just kind right. of and that's him the problem with our society going. right now but he so, was working harder but he wasn't right. working smarter right so that's the problem with our society 
right now is they'll look at mediocre jobs and just be like, oh, this is meaningless. I'm not going to put my heart into it. I'm just going to put time in, clock in, clock out. But the thing is, you should treat every single job like it's a commission sales job. But you got to put your heart in every hour, you know? Well, it, I'll put devil's advocate here, too, though. Because, yeah. like, think about it. Like, if you if you want to add, like, if, if somebody's working at, um, I don't know, TJ Maxx, mm-hmm. and they're... Not that I, not that I'm encouraging like a bad attitude or anything, mm-hmm. but like if they got complacent with that job, like, or showing to Wendy's at work every single day, and then they end up working there for the next ten years or five years or some some significant amount of time that you just shouldn't be working at Wendy's for, then that that accepting of your current circumstances could actually be negative. Not that right. you shouldn't have a positive attitude and would still work hard and put in put in the work, but like. I guess I guess whenever you add the element of being complacent, like mm-hmm. that kind of that's I, I that's actually kind of a net negative. Yeah, I mean, also when I think about this stuff, you got to think about your environment. I mean, we're in a college environment, a lot of progressive students, a lot of ambition, you know, somewhat high IQs. Like we're not really used to, you know, how the other half lives. You know, the other half. It, never going to go to college. No one in their family has gone to college. And, you know, grew up in, like, small rural communities where the education system wasn't, you know, you know as elite, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. And Didn't have as many advantages. This is, this is the only life that they know. And they're very happy with it. And, I don't know, have you seen Bruce Almighty? Which one's that? Is that Jim Carrey or yeah, is that... Okay. You- yeah, no, no, I've seen the other one. I've seen Evan Almighty. Oh, okay. Well, Bruce Almighty, like, uh, when he's first fighting with God, right, before God gives him his powers, just to kind of, you know, okay, you want my job? Here Is it also go. Morgan Freeman? Yeah. Uh, so before, you know, Bruce Almighty comes God, um, he makes a comment because uh, he, like, made a joke or something, and he's like, oh, you're a funny man, just like your father. And then immediately... Bruce Almighty, he just kind of like slums down. He's all upset. Uh-huh. So obviously, there's some sort of um, like missing link with him and his father and the relationship there. And then, so then God, you know, Morgan Freeman, he's like, you know, you're just like your father, just a funny man. Think about your dad. Um, he was never scared to roll his sleeves up and get his hands dirty. And then you're saying, you know, some of the happiest men are have more simple lives. Yeah. And it's true. You'll have the people that aren't, you know, super ambitious in the sense, you know, within their work, but they're super happy and they've got a good mood, but their ambition comes in their family. So I think measuring a success to society is how much family structure there is. And this is not only going to get into politics, believe it or not. But it's going to get into more sociology. You know, family is a is a huge, um, how can I say it, determining factor to someone's up to how someone's going to be as an adult. Absolutely. Um, you know, the family structure is key, and and getting into politics, I'm referring to the Cold War era. I don't know if you've ever read the Communist Manifesto or, like, study it in any way. But the Soviets, it was in their duty. You're actually laying out of the camera. Oh. Sorry to be that guy. Yeah, but anyway, the Soviets, it was, it was like, in their duty to sabotage America from within. And the way that they believed they could do that was destroying family structure. So then that is shortly after is when... Because it's going to destroy the family structure, which is therefore mm. going to result in destroying the individual, which is what the West relies on right. for capitalism to thrive. Exactly. So then that is when liberalism, neoliberalism, all of that started to become pretty prevalent. So I'm not, not bashing on liberals at all, uh-huh. but I think there is a correlation between a lack of family structure... And liberalism. Okay. You know? Take, for example, like, we live in conservative Midwest, Bible Belt even. You know, a child 
you know, we'll take like a, a pretty controversial topic, you know, especially with politics, like homosexuality, for example. You know, a kid comes home, tells his parents that he's gay, they, they banish him. They abandon him. You know, just because of some, what we, you know, probably accept as a cultural norm right now. Just a sexual preference. Right. Just like, and then they don't, they don't see it because they're more, the, the, our, our older generations are more focused on like that family structure. Versus if you had the exact but, same families with different ideologies that are like, yo, it's cool. Like you're gay. That's cool. Yeah, exactly. And you don't have to just be gay. It could be a, something as, as simple as like a, a kid that drinks a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I have that, that actually like my father was just like super conservative and really against drinking. When I started drinking after 21, uh-huh. he didn't want anything to do with me. Really? Yeah. It's completely, like, almost disowned you. Yeah. Yeah, and then, like, with, with that and also um, some choices that I've made for a career and some <laughs> things to make some money on the side, like, yeah, like, he would just kind of completely disown me. Um, this is what it would feel like. Uh-huh. Um, but then I would, like, even, and I would feel it, and I would ask him, like, you know, we, we all know I'm, I'm straight. All the way about that. Like, what if I told you I was gay or something? Is that what you would do? You just like disown me? You know, like I think that's a problem with right now in our family structures. Is a lot of families are breaking apart mm-hmm. because of there's nothing wrong with liberalism or a more I'm not gonna say like bohemic kind of society. What do you mean by bohemic? Like less. Like what people want to think is the norm, okay, you know. But what what needs to happen to help with that is like taboo. I guess taboo is a better word. Like not to be talked about. Yeah. Off topic. Okay. I guess so. But anyway, to help with that is to instill understanding and empathy within those older generations. So that we can bring back that cohesion and family structure. Mm. That's going to be needed for success in the business world or any workforce in general. Because that's the issue. And that's what I'm getting at is there's a lot of division amongst millennials and younger generations. A lot of separation because of the lack of understanding. Right. Because they're set in their arguably antiquated ways antiquated mean like old fashioned like kind of just just out of date out of date some of the some of the ways they view the world now is how they viewed the world 30 years ago which is completely right it's not prevalent to today's times but and and this is what I look at I look at like our older generations is just being hard and rigid because they lived through war times Mm -hmm. and you know and then from that you know like great depression and whatnot just work work is life uh you wake up you go to work show up on time, never have any issues, you're very, I wouldn't say complacent, you're obedient, and just follow it, and you're just trapped into this this society of just 9 to 5, clock in, clock out, retire, very old, right? That's, I, I, my grandpa that died, or my grandpa yeah, worked like for the they, same company for 20, 30 years. Yeah, that too. But exactly. he, uh, he, well, he, the one I'm referring to, he worked on a farm, but he, Grew up at like ten years old, like ten years old and on. Like yep. he grew up during the Great Depression. That's crazy. Yeah, exactly. So like our older generations, they don't understand millennials. And the millennials, we were born into technology. Now generations that like the the generation right before us, they're the best for technology because they were like us. They were like in their twenties and they had their. You know, they were in their prime when technology came out, uh-huh. computers and everything. We were born into it, so right. we grew up with it. So now there's a technological divide within the workforce. Right. So the older generations, they need us. They need us to run digital marketing campaigns for them. They need us to do software engineering. They need us for more in technological fields, right? Uh-huh. But they are, we... For, for the most part, we're good with people because I feel like the millennials went through faith. Because I think character is built through not necessarily trauma, but just hard experiences, hardships. Through struggle? Through struggle, right. And I think millennials have struggled in the sense from that division, 
from their from their families from the past because okay. because of the more like I don't know like for example rap music or like growing up around drugs or in pornography and getting into that when you're like nine or ten years old uh-huh. that was unheard of of our parents and their generations ahead so people that were in those they're scared like bohemic that's what I mean. Because that's a, that's a, like a big sexualized culture and just like these, these cultural things that are normal to us, but just like, uh, I, can, I guess unconventional might be a word. Do you think, so us? you're saying like a lot of our struggle and almost Is like. Is that division because of our culture and not a cultural in our generations ahead that we're divided from, uh-huh. not understanding or being empathetic of it. Not being, they're not accepting it. Wait, what do you mean by division? So division being separation from them? So like... And they're not understanding millennials that separation? not having a good relationship with their parents because of cultural norms that they've, you know, adopted that are just unacceptable to them. Don't you think every past or, generation kind of had that? To yeah, some extent? Exactly. Um, but right now, we're talking about the productivity and su- success of our society... Or the past generations before the ones for us, there, there's no point. They're about to die. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, like our workforce right now is uh-huh. like our grandparents, parents, and us. Then <laughs> the generation that's coming next, oh, that's a whole other topic. Because this is where I look at. The generations ahead of us are a lot better with people. Um, and more old-fashioned. You can do, you know... You make pretty good money doing door-to-door sales, for example, or something. You know, they work hard, right? And they're good leaders. They're our managers. They're our executives, right? Then the millennials were like a divide. We're good with people in a sense because of the hardships that we went through and because we needed to look to each other to build our unity because we were divided from our families or okay. from whatever that we have don't you think this is a big criticism from the older generations to like upon us is that yeah well let me let that me. we don't have very much struggle right because I, I know a lot of like exactly. older generations think we have it easy right but millennials don't think that so i think well none of your questions about our society being so emotional i think for some oh, reason man. millennials like we we feel more i want to say entitled but, like, we have a lot more passion about ourselves, individualism. And when Ooh. someone doesn't see things our way, we get upset. Like, so I think it is a sense of entitlement, in a way. Yeah. Because yeah. we didn't live the way that the people older generations did. But the go back to what I was saying, it's like, older generations go with people. You know, they're, the, they're our leaders, they're execs, whatever. Millennials go with people, go with technology. Now I'm afraid the generation after us isn't going to be good with people because they're literally technology from the day they're in toddlers. Or do you think they're going to be good with people but in their own way and they're going to completely yeah. redefine the social norms? Yeah. Like, they, it, that's what's kind of scary. Is but I think it's going to be more technological. I think there's going to be a, a, a huge technological divide. Ooh. You know? Especially, yeah, like, I mean, if if... Even our generation a little bit, like, mm-hmm. growing up around, like, I don't know, some people's main source of communication was, like, playing Xbox and talking with, playing a Modern Warfare 2, talking with their friends. or Exactly. Communicating in very different ways. Yeah. And so... Communicating while we have a lot of stimuli, so we're, like, partially engaged with the conversation, mm-hmm. which, that's why a lot of people tell me, like, with this podcast, it's really interesting that they're like, yeah, like, I'm my main sense of focus right now is 100% of this conversation versus like think about how much like you're sitting down talking and we're like texting or or sitting down talking with your friends and watching TV or play video games or right. in class or studying like whatever it may be like it's almost like you never fully invested in just the conversation right exactly and so when and it comes to measuring more prevalent like to to the original question about measuring their productivity productivity and the success of society uh-huh. um, so what did I say before uh, the, uh, the sense of people understanding people the collaboration the, the teamwork involved like just being understanding empathetic being genuine but then the, then the work ethic but then also the technological divide so I think 
you know, that, that can lead to another question, you know, the limits of technology. I think when it gets to the point where technology completely takes away the human element is when things go too far. Human element referring to, like, human interaction and yeah. us just being friendly and amiable yeah, with each other. Yeah, I mean, people might mm-hmm. might wonder, are you talking about artificial intelligence, like robotics and stuff? I'm like, no, I think that's wonderful. But don't take away human interaction with other humans. Yeah, and that's so important. Mm. That's so important for general well-being, for yeah. cohesiveness, is, like, what you were arguing earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's scary. That right. is, technology is a threat to that. Mm-hmm. And... What are the societal costs of taking away, like, in human interaction, you know what I mean? Like, right. It's yeah. probably another criticism that past older generations have on us as well. Oh, absolutely. And they always use, like, and that's the thing, too, is where things are right now with technology, anyone can learn. Uh-huh. And that's, like, the thing that I hate most is, like, our older generation, like, they'll use that as an excuse, like, oh, I'm old, I, I don't, I don't want to mess with this technology and stuff. It's like when I used to sell smart home security systems. And it's like, and these old people, and I'm like, because usually old people are at home. Yeah, true. So the door-to-door sales, like, a lot, of, a lot of prospects are old. But, and like, oh, I don't, I don't even know how to use this smartphone. Like, I don't even want to deal with smart home security. And it's like, look, lady, do you not see that you're a threat for a criminal? Like, you are a target. I mean, sorry, you're a target for a criminal. Uh-huh. Like, like any criminal like for example Springfield number two for petty crime and burglaries oh wow and burglaries yeah and burglaries will happen within the first 90 days of home ownership so Google would send us out to go sell a smart home security system to them um within that time period because within that time period is also when burglaries happen did you use a lot of fear tactics just out of curiosity I didn't work there long enough to do it. Well, I found out my boss was um, having us sell it without a license, without soliciting without a license. Oh, I, like, I don't want that to infringe on my my future goals. Yeah, right. So I just quit. Um, but he was a young kid, too. He was like 20 years old. And that's the thing, too. You got kids dropping out of high school, starting their own companies and whatnot, being very successful. 20-year-old kid driving around $80,000 Mercedes. Because we have that opportunity of the Internet. Right. But anyway, technology. to go back with technology, like old people, it's like anyone can learn. Like it's not that hard to, to teach you how to download an app and then to press a button to lock your doors, like right from your phone. <laughs> do you think that's a? Down. Do you think that's Open part of? I, I don't even know if that's a generational thing. At least I don't think I would argue that it is. Yeah. I feel like it's like a part of just the human conditioning of being. Yeah. Well, I was just using our own habits and yeah. patterns. I was just using it as an example. It's like our okay. older generations using that as an excuse, like, "Oh, I'm old. I don't want to mess with this technology." Yeah. Whatever that technology no, exactly can really help out their life, especially an older person. Like, let's say they, you know, they have a stroke or you know, like a fall down mm-hmm. stairs and they're in their hips or weaker and whatnot. Like, they can't get up. Just get on their phone. And click the the life alert or the the meta pen, whatever, and then automatically notifies ambulance right up to the house. An ambulance person shows up, click the button on your phone, unlock the door, they're in, take care of business. When you're in the ambulance, press a button, lock the house down. And me trying to explain that to an old person, they're just like, really? They have no interest in that and saving their own lives. Exactly. That's surprising to me. But it's because they're so. They're so um, consumed around this idea that they can't be technologically advanced. Or they, or do you think they're just, they think that learning this will complicate their lives when it result it could know. save their lives? Like, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not an old person. But I'm just saying that's an example of like old people using their age as an excuse not to learn the technological skills that younger generations Because that's kind of like a big difference if you, th- like, mm-hmm. it's kind of a new thought. But uh, if you think about, it, like, t- uh, our generation versus the older generation, like, whenever we learn something on the computer, it's like, oh, this could simplify my life. This could add, like, some Absolutely. practicality in my life. But, like, they're, like, they're like, oh, they, they just automatically, like, repudiate the thought because it's like, oh, it's going to make my life so much more difficult learning this. I don't, I'm yeah. good. I'm fine. Exactly. And that would be anything within, um, you know, a lot of the cohesion 
because I, I see like a lot of divides being in a corporate world like being a younger person and the older people that have been there for years and it's like I'm sorry that now I'm your boss mm-hmm. but you have all the time in the world to learn these technological capabilities that I have you know now I'm not saying that's what I do in my life I'm just I'm using it as an example I'm right hypothetical right. um that would be weird from their perspective, like, to, yeah. to grow up, like, without this technology, then starts getting introdu- introduced, and you, like, kind of see yourself becoming obsolete. Yeah. That would suck. Yeah. Yeah. So it does make us a little, bit a little more empathetic for them as well. But we, if you want to make money, um, because we, we deal with so many older people because they're baby boomers. Uh-huh. So if you really wanted to make money, go into like nursing home business oh yeah and, big generation yep and hearing aids and wiping asses yeah <laughs> exactly um apparently they this is kind of off topic but apparently there's some type of technology that it's like a translator it's almost like a hearing aid except so like say you're speaking French to me right now then it's going to translate that into my ear into English I don't know if this already exists or if it's like being created. Yeah. I saw it. I want to say I saw this on like Twitter or something like like a year or two ago, but I just found it super fascinating. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, military government has those capabilities, and it's useful within the um, intelligence analysis realm where you're on a desk and technology is high speed and it's up to par. But out in the field, there's still a need for that human element. Okay. Because technology always... And I guess that we were talking about, like, the limits of technology. Um, uh, their, uh, the range. For, you know, like, the range could be increased. Like, we could have, like I say, like, public Wi-Fi towers or something. Um. So when you're out in the in the field or in the woods or like out of civilization that you still have internet to work you know I don't know wait you're saying these the hearing aids they require tech- oh no I'm talking about they just because a lot of technology right now is ran off internet access and uh, what about data is there any way to like yeah freely access that I don't know but that, that could be another topic for the limits of technology as well um but, I mean, I think we've hit on, like, two or three topics now. I'm getting tired. Actually, something, something I want to ask you about is sure. uh, the the energy drills with martial arts that you were kind of talking about. Oh, sure. Okay. Like, yeah, what's, what's that experience? That's a whole different subject. Yeah, completely different topic, but it's... Um, yeah. I just found that whenever you were explaining that, I just thought that was really interesting. Well, you'd always watch videos of it on YouTube or in movies or something. you think, oh, that's bullshit. Then you actually try it. It's like, oh, wow. Well, it's pretty much just, just the it's same really, motions repetitively, like, it's creating striking block. It's creating muscle memory. And you just go throughout the pattern, and you start getting quicker and quicker with it? Yeah, in a sense. I mean, energy drills and martial arts, it's easy to read your opponent and to be able to, to feel their movements, understand the physiology of things. Like, oh, when I push his arm that way, it makes this go do that. You know, or I push on this joint on the hip and it makes the body move like that. And I would learn that through Russian martial arts. Okay. Like, uh, my instructor, um, he would just, like, push on different points of my body. And, like, you see, you know, when I push you there, like, it, it moves that. So then I can use that as a lever or something against you, you know. Okay. It's just, like, an example. Um, then energy drills within the Chinese martial arts, you know, they always thought they were bullshit until I'd actually try it and do it over and over and over you said repetition is just muscle memory but then is it like a very flow state to where you start doing it without thinking yeah and it's just very second nature so when you see those guys they're like blind doing this stuff and you understand why because they they literally can feel you know the the physiology and just like literally the the body when i'm talking about energy i'm talking Uh about like kinesthetic energy generating through the body so kinesiology and physiology is having an understanding of that can really help out with your martial arts okay 
But I don't know. I've had this theory, and, and people could definitely argue. But I wonder if people that come from a background of, you know, before they became a trained martial artist, like getting beat up, whether being bullies in school, by your dad at home, by your mom, whatever, just having the experience of having someone physically hurt you, and then. And then, like, feeling a deep desire to actually learn how to protect yourself. Now, I have a theory that people with those backgrounds can be a lot better at, at fighting and self-defense because it's either in their muscle memory or, I mean, it is in their muscle memory, but also because they might have... Um, you know, possibly like a, a mild form of PTSD or something. So the unique thing about PTSD or trauma um, is you can get through psychotherapy and get out of your mind, but it never leaves your body. Yeah. Oh, so like so the, it's like in your body to act out. It's in your like your to act out within your muscle memory. I remember, I read this, but apparently your body is somehow able to memorize things as well. Exactly. It's stuck in your cells. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so with the energy drills, I think they, they come to be very effective for people with a background in, or just in you know, a history of psychological trauma. It becomes very therapeutic for them. It really? It teaches them to have control of their body. So I think that when it comes down to the, the purpose of energy drills in the martial arts is to teach control. Because control is a huge huge control implying like accuracy precision that too but just of your body and your emotion when you get hit oh when you're in fear being able to stay calm cool and collected so it's like teaching mindfulness through the the practice of repetition that is the word i was looking for mindfulness exactly wow so the ancient martial artists have probably started energy drills you have to think about like i our country, our generation is very lucky. We didn't be, we didn't grow up in war. Think about ancient history. Like us, we would have already probably already have killed people by now. Or even the 20th century. Yeah, just being warriors, protecting our villages, protecting our women. Like, you know, we we you've been in combat. Um, and you know, through science and in the medical field and medicine, mental health probably didn't start to be a thing that was treated until maybe the twentieth century. Wow. So I think that there's somewhat of like a blessing and a curse behind trauma through combat. And I think that that is why energy drills were invented was to help warriors deal with their their issues. Wow, okay. But yes. It's like theoretical, yeah, yeah, just to get that's uh-huh. so interesting though. Yeah. Well like you're also taking this from like the benefits that you've experienced from it. Exactly. And but yeah, it teaches mindfulness but also I think it does give a sense of mental clarity. Gives you focus. Uh, it's like a meditation. It's a meditation. Exactly. It's like a physical meditation. Wow. In a way. But yeah, I've heard I've heard people compare like running to meditation as well. So I guess there are yeah. different types of meditation, just being able to put all your focus into something. Mm-hmm. You have to focus on that moment, the repetition of the skills. Yeah, absolutely. And uh what else about energy drills? Um yeah, so it teaches you to be mindful of the physiology and kinesiology of your opponent, be able to read them, their actions, reactions, and just be able to, um, you know, know how to react yourself. And then um, it's therapeutic, you know, meditation and relaxation for, uh, you know, sorry, I have to go through trauma. But even just your beginning training in martial arts, you're going to get beat up. You can't be good at fighting or winning fights until you've been beat up yourself. Right. So your body is going to capture that. It's going to remember that feeling. Humility. Like, oh, you know, I remember what it was like to get my bell rung. Uh-huh. Well, next time 
I'm going to do a little footwork and, and slip. Or I'm going to do something outside the fence, you know, so I don't feel that. But then, um, you know, repetition, repetition, repetition to the point where it's like second nature and you can improvise mm -hmm. in your fighting styles. Then that's, that's when I think you get it. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting that energy gels exist. It's also the mm -hmm. cool element of martial arts kind of going off of that is just being able to uh, be so calm and cool and collected. Like Yeah, that's the that's honestly, I think that's really the, the true objective of energy drills is just teaching you control. Really? Yeah. So they'd be beneficial for like an MMA fighter just or... Yeah. I would say so. I've never really done MMA, so I can't really. I mean, I've done like a little bit of training in it, but I've never actually like been a fighter, like been, you know, beat on repeatedly. Um, I think a lot of boxing drills and the sparring is energy drill in a way. Okay. But you're referring to like the the Asian martial, like Filipino martial arts, Wing Chun, and you know, even the Russian martial arts. And the energy drills is probably for what I was talking about. But as for MMA, yeah, I think uh, I, I think muscle memory is a key to that as well, and that's what sparring is for. That's cool. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, cause it was a completely new concept to me before meeting you. To be honest, like it. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I never heard of it really much. Yeah, I'm surprised people like them because I hated it at first. I'm like, it's boring. Really? Yeah. I I think uh, your explanation of it was like mm -hmm. your understanding of it is what kind of led me to have an interest in it, mm -hmm. and just uh, I don't know. I guess I I enjoy the yeah. repetition in its own sense as well. Well, I don't remember the exact word or terminology for it. I think it was like. Chinua or, or uh, just something with chi. It's like the, uh -huh. the Chinese one where you're like going back and forth, like with the hands. Like yours are on the outside, mine are on the inside. Or is it the one we style. did for a little bit? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like in the fuxiao position. Right. Um, but that one, I remember my martial arts instructor, and then Sifu Brian Stevenson, by the way, in Independence, Missouri, Dragon Family Martial Arts. But when we would do like energy drill seminars or something. We would be outside, and it'd be nighttime, so it'd be dark, so you can't really see well. And then we'd have fire, burning incense and stuff, and you can just smell and like the, the aura, you know, the aroma. My bad. The aroma would just be calming and soothing, and it, and, you know, it definitely was just like meditation, but like getting our body having that muscle memory. Interesting. So, whenever I'm in a, in a in a combative position, where I'm kind of like tied up, you know, like like wrestling or whatever, or you know, grappling with someone's arms, then my body can remember that moment of just ex, just pure serenity and calmness. So I think. Uh, those energy drills kind of helps with your future com combative situations as well. You get you get apply it to like so many aspects of life too. Right, it's like your happy place. It's like like for me when I was um, I was in my, my one of my drills in the army. I we had a weapon qualification, and I was struggling. But it, we had bad conditions. We had like no time to zero our weapons. Mm -hmm. The weather was bad. We didn't even have any sandbags to like prop up because in the army for weapon call you you lay down in a prone position with the with supported so you're on sandbags and for 20, 20 rounds twenty targets I guess I could say you get forty rounds in your weapon um, and then the next round is ten uh, prone unsupported so that means that you don't have these sandbags okay and then ten kneeling and uh, the whole 20, like that first 20, usually should just hit all of them. Because, you know, you have, so you have a sandbag, you got support, like it's just 
perfect shot every time. Mm-hmm. We didn't even have that. So oh, we just had really poor conditions, and I'm just stressing out. Like, I'm just like, I need these perfect conditions. This is my weapon call test. Like, like I, I need to do what I did when I was at basic. Uh-huh. Like, I, you know, it's just in my head, and I'm getting stressed out, and I'm failing. I'm failing to even qualify. Like, you know, qualify, you get to hit over 23 targets out of okay. 40. So it's super easy to do. And I'm, like, failing once, and I'm like, ugh. Like, this is not me. I was going to shot, shot 37 out of 40. Yeah, from original call, but um, and you're not even passing 23 at this point. Exactly, and so then my my battle buddy, he's like, you know, just think of something like peaceful while you're out there. And you thought of energy drills, or I thought of uh, dancing with a girl a week before. Okay, but now I would think about energy drills because that girl caused me stress. But energy comes from dancing as well, music. Is the, the the feeling and like movement? I think just kinesiology and taking you to that same flow is just the a, same rhythm exactly. And you know, martial arts is a lot like dancing too. Uh huh. And I think that's why a lot of those cultures and those fighting cultures in ancient, you know, in Africa, Asia, and whatnot, that in you know South America, like Capoeira in Brazil, they do that dancing and stuff for the same reason. It's an energy drill. Mm. So I think there's, it's just energy drill is just creating energy, in a in a controlled and repetitious, soothing way, manner. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It's just, it really is meditation while moving. And your mind is. I like that. I like looking at that. Going in, in, into that, and it's losing its focus on other things. Hmm. So, I think that's why anything I really, really enjoy in life is something that makes you just completely focused in that. Mm-hmm. Like soccer, I like I played in a soccer yeah. game last night. I was like but, fully engaged in it. There's that's no better feeling. Right, but that works for us because we are the physical type. You see, not everyone in this world is kinesthetic. Right. I mean, you know, several people that aren't athletic. So yeah. it's like, what's their bliss? What's their exactly way to meditate or whatever? Exactly. Yeah, it's it their escape. Be, it might be playing video games. Yeah, that's it, a good point. It might be coding. You know, it might be acting. It might be reading. Drama, yeah, it might be reading. Exactly. But for us, you know, and that's why I was enjoying training you. Because I've trained people that just want to get in shape, but they, I can tell they don't have an athletic background. Mm-hmm. When you oh, you were a soccer player, you had an MMA background, perfect. You're going to pick this stuff like that. Right. And, and, like, my martial arts instructor, like, he would tell other students, referring to me, like, point to me, he's like, yeah, he picked this stuff up quicker than anyone I've known. So don't feel bad. But it's it's obvious, like, I have an athletic background. They don't. It's high praise. Right. So I think the energy drills are just going to be effective for an athlete in general. Okay. Just someone who not necessarily understands the value, but like feels the value of just kinesthetic movement and just physical activity and exercise. The movement science behind it. Interesting. Whether they understand that like conceptually or they just understand it based on like experience, yeah. Right. Do you have any other topics on your mind? To be honest, I'm, like, getting really tired. Dude, I'm getting tired. <laughs> super tired. I feel like a douche because, like, you're moving in. Well, Mason's moving to Arizona, and, like, you're pretty much moving, like, in yeah. a few days. Yeah. Within 24 hours, like, you'll pretty much be out of Springfield. Yeah. I mean, I know you're only visiting, but it's kind of, it's kind of like once you're there, it's like you're starting your new life, and you come back here, and it's like you're visiting here. Yeah. Do you, like, edit out and cut out things? Uh, no, nah, I usually just... Oh, okay. Flow all the way through. Um, Are you waiting to say something? Or you just want to say it off camera? Yeah. Well, I was just gonna say like, it wouldn't be as effective if it, if it caught me telling you to ask me. But like to to bring in and like close on a funny thing, you'd be like, oh yeah. So talk about that dancing. Oh, that, <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, you mean that, I heard I heard from so and so. There's a little bit of a funny story. Oh, no, I was thinking about starting it off on that. I didn't know if you cared or not. Yeah. 
No, I thought that was fucking hilarious. That was yeah. awesome. Well, because I don't know if she's about to leave, but you could like have her come down and be like, yeah, so uh, <laughs> she just happens to be that girl. <laughs> well, okay, so you'd have in, to like edit, edit out the last minute or two. Oh, do you not want to talk about it on camera? Oh, no, no, we can. I'm just saying it's weird to like have me give you that suggestion. Oh, no, no, it's cool. Oh, okay. No, I actually wanted to bring it up. I just didn't, out of consideration for you, I didn't know if you wanted, like, to talk about that. I didn't know if, like, uh, okay, okay, so you think it's funny? Oh, absolutely. No, no, you're totally cool, man. Uh, no, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it, no, I want to talk about that, too. Um, okay, so basically, <laughs> long story short, before the podcast, we're sitting around talking. Mason's sharing a story with uh, my roommate, who's named Trud, and... Mason and Trud are talking and they're like yeah I was dancing on this girl and you pretty much started like what did you do exactly? Oh I talked about my my previous experience uh, being asked to give a private dance to a birthday girl <laughs> at a club so every time I go to this club I end up just becoming Magic Mike <laughs> With enough alcohol in me, or when certain songs play like Pony, <laughs> and yeah, there's a video the last time I was there, and you know I'm I'm going I'm getting into it. I mean, just grinding, just grinding, like doing the whole like you know what do you call it boogaloo, whatever little move. You're like moving your hips and your knees and whatnot, stuff that Magic Mike does, and like all the the loose flowy shit, <laughs> picking up the girl, swinging her around, like knee sliding into her crotch, and like, yeah, Some pretty intense grinding, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you guys went on the ground for a little bit. Yeah, and then um, this is some random girl. Yep, this is some random girl. <laughs> so and, uh, that girl just happened to to be there with Trud upstairs while I'm explaining the story, and then she looks up. She recognized my face, and she was like, that was me. She's like, I have to say something. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, shoot. She went from dead silent to just listening to you, like, yeah. talk about this to, like, yelling. She's like, "That I have to say it. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny because right before that, I, I was talking to him, like, yeah, you know, one time I went to this club. I was just doing my own thing, my own business, and this girl walks up. And said, I mean, she, I'd say she's more of a woman. She's like in her thirties. I'm 22, and she's like, you know, you're you're a little bit more better looking than most of the guys out here dancing with my friend. It's her birthday. Um, you also look like you know what you're doing. Um, do you know how to dance to these songs? And like country songs are playing. I'm like, nah, I'd not have danced to this this shit at all. <laughs> but when a hip hop song comes on, I got you, girl. No worries. So, believe it or not, they played freaking my pony. And I did the same thing, but that girl, she just, like, fell in love with it. And then she, like, wanted me to just, you know, give her a good time on every single hip-hop song that came on. And then her friend that was older and, you know, had the money, she, like, slipped me some cash. And she's like, you know, you make a little bit more, you can give a private dance to her and all that. <laughs> so I went to her home and did a little private dance and, and, and made some money that night. Um, but it was it was just purely for fun, you know. Male stripper. Yeah, literally, it's just like the movie Magic Mike, you know. Like they're not like sitting there having sex with the women. It's not like prostitution or anything. Like, not doing anything super nasty. It's literally just the fun of movement with an attractive human being. I guess I don't know. That's so funny that happened. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not trying to say attractive human being to be like arrogant or like douchebaggery or anyway. I'm just saying like uh, strippers that do it professionally. You're not gonna find one that's well, not attractive. Well, they were yeah. willing. To, they were willing to pay you to strip for them. Mm -hmm. So at least they found you attractive. Right. When they even said it's like earlier night. in the night, like, oh, you look a little bit better looking than most of the guys around here. And then, so I was just like. Alright, I got did, you. Wait, did they I got up? you. So they suggested that? Like, hey, will you yeah. come back to our apartment or place, wherever, yeah. and strip for us? 
They said just get, give us like a little bit more, show us a little bit more, a little private dance. That's hilarious. I thought they were kidding, but then uh-huh. she slipped me yeah. cash, and I was like, "Oh, you're being serious." And she's like, "Yeah, I wouldn't think that's yeah, real think, either." I'd I be like, they, oh. re- they, "They really enjoy it." Uh huh. But yeah, that's hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah, I wish I still had pictures from that. You night. made money from your body. Not many guys can say that. Yeah. But uh. It sounds pretty lit, right? I think the energy drills and the martial arts and stuff probably helps with that. That's it. <laughs> I mean, my flexibility on the dance floors comes from martial arts. That's all I gotta say. There you go. Yeah, I admire that because I, uh, I personally don't ba- dance very much. Yeah. Out at the club, so. I'm not really the best dancer. I just don't have any fear. I think that's what martial arts would help with too. It's just. Making you extremely confident with your body. Just having, like, literally no fear. I definitely experienced a little bit more of that. Like, more confidence with the... Yeah. Like, it, assuming the worst. That's like, especially as a guy, it's like, oh, this mm-hmm. could get violent. Not that I ever yeah. would want it to. I've never wanted to. But, like, it could get violent. And if it did, like, I feel better prepared. Yeah. Because I've... Oh. That side, especially against somebody that's never trained before, like I yeah. feel, I feel pretty damn confident. If I'm being honest, oh absolutely. I mean, you get that from like one lesson. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm most not people even in good the world, at martial arts, but right. like because most people in the world, if you haven't trained, you you're right. fucked. <laughs> yeah, most people in the world like haven't. They're not trained, so they attack. I mean, it's one thing you can be good at martial arts and you get at fighting. You, know, you can just be like an excellent brawler. You're tough. Uh-huh. You don't have a glass jaw. So keeping up with martial arts can make you tougher if you aren't already. Right. Yeah, because people are just naturally tough. A lot of people aren't. Sure. So, like me, I wasn't naturally tough. I was kind of a pussy. Like, I rolled, yeah, I rolled jiu-jitsu with this dude never rolled before in his entire life. And I th- at this point, I was, like, month, month and a half in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he was just a big football player. Like, yeah. lineman's fresh out of college. Yeah. Uh, college football player, too. And, uh... I struggled with him. I struggled with him. I think he submitted me a few times. I think I actually submitted him once or twice. But yeah, like it was a, like that's a great example. Like he right. just had he had the brawn, the strength, all of that versus like I had a little bit more technique at the time. Right, and you probably would submit me because I'm not like the best on the ground. A lot of my stuff is striking. Right, right. So I'd say my striking ability is is pretty hands on precise. But but yeah, like martial arts, it just. Um, I, I personally, I would just do it for the physical benefit and the mental health benefit. Um, I didn't really care about hurting anyone. It wasn't like that. It wasn't crazy. And self-defense was important to me. I mean, I had been hurt in the past, but it, it didn't make me like want to go out and be vindictive or offensive anyway. Like not be like a vigilante in a way. Uh-huh. Like it just, I, it just came to the point like, okay, I'll do a couple lessons for free, learn how to protect myself. Then I was like, oh, I, f- I fell in love with the feeling. I fell in love with the motion. Mm. So, you know, expert martial artists probably the same way. They just they love to have that movement. You know, they like the movement behind it. And I think uh, I don't know. It's like a like a deep understanding of kinesiology and physiology. Just you know, you'll enjoy it more. Well, on that note, you want to wrap this up? Yeah. Dude, I, I will say, too, um, you'll, you'll probably be in Arizona, like, whenever you're listening to this, assuming you're listening to this, like, yeah, whenever I, I send it to you. Okay, cool, cool. cool. Um, yeah, I wish you the best, man. I wish you Thanks. the best. It's uh, a lot of, a lot's going to change for you between now and by the time you listen to this. Yeah. And, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for yeah, you. Yeah, I'm excited too. Heard nothing but good things about Arizona. Oh, absolutely. I think the only thing that would keep me stuck here is if my car broke down and I couldn't drive it out there, but I'm staying optimistic. That's uh, That's Yeah, it would. It would. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to save up for a bus, still go out and work out there and just ride the bus until I buy a car, you know? like You probably get a bus pass pretty cheap too. Yeah. Probably at least 150 Oh, yeah, absolutely. Roughly, I'm guessing, but... And then, but yeah, like you don't want to do that though. Greyhounds I think, suck. Yeah, no, I've ridden them before when I used to, I didn't used to have a car and I'd go visit family for, in Kansas City. I'd take Greyhounds. Really? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's what martial arts kind of help 
But two, just gives you like that confidence and like just no fear to just get up and move to a city and just start fresh. Mm. Like, I don't know if it comes from martial arts or if it's just my personality, but I remember not, a little bit of both. Not really being this way until after martial arts training. Maybe martial arts influence on your personality. Mm-hmm. No, I get that. I get that. That. But I think you hit it with the mindfulness. Absolutely. Not only being mindful of kinesiology and physiology, but just mindful of your own emotions and your own tension. Mindful of what's going on internally. Yeah. And externally. Exactly. That's why I call it internal martial arts. Yeah, really? They call it that? Yeah. Like Tai Chi, um, some of the Russian martial arts that uh-huh. I teach it as internal. Uh, what else is internal? Um, I don't really know, but more external ones are like your karate or your boxing. Really? Yeah. The ones where you're like oh, doing a lot more outward force, whereas uh-huh. internal, like you're taking it in and using it against them. Oh, so the concept of using their own energy against them. Exactly. That's okay. And that's the, I guess I forgot to touch on that. Channeling energy. That's another um, objective of energy drills, too. Is being able to feel and channel force against them, your opponent's energy. Wow. Exactly. Okay. Because with those energy drills, like you start out pretty simple, uh-huh. but then you get into, you know, moving forward into like an counter attack, mm-hmm. or like using their energy against them, for example. You know, or like when we do it with the knives in the Filipino martial arts, and we're doing the hula, we're doing that energy drill, like back and forth, and then later on, then you go for you know, some sort of attack, like an offensive attack, whatever. You know, whether or not it's, you know, pushing up their elbow and, and going straight to the kidney or, you know, pushing it down, going straight to the neck, whatever. Like, there's just, there, that's what when I was getting that into improvisation. Okay. So the energy drills help with improvising. Wow, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I got to be at work at, like, 7... Oh, wow. I was yeah. like, my bass bin was going to be loud regardless. Uh-huh. This girl freaking above me is always clinking in high heels every time she comes home after like midnight. Maybe she's a stripper. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And then so oh, then I told Mike, I was like, oh, I want to I sleep at your guys' place, but now they're loud. And it's like, fuck. So now I'm probably going to go drive to the office in Ozark and sleep in the office. <laughs> you can You can stay here if you want. I probably if won't. It's too loud. Okay. I, I need to be, like, sleeping now. Uh-huh. Um, it's, yeah. it's really not super loud upstairs. It's oh. up to you. I, I actually have, like, a pull-up bed underneath my bed, too. It's like a twin mattress. Really? Yeah. It's really an option if you want to stay. You're more than welcome to. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I do want to go to sleep, like, really soon, because I, I do a lot of physical work. Yeah, it's up to my you. My job is physically Whatever demanding. you think. Whatever... You're gonna optimize your sleep. You more than welcome to do whatever. Cool. But it, I, I just want to present that as an option for you. Cause it, to be honest, I'm going to bed probably right after this. I'm pretty tired. <laughs> yeah, I need to that. I'm exhausted. Cool. I'll probably talk to Mike for a little bit more and just an we've hour and been. three minutes. Cool. Oh wow. Call us quits. Yeah, yeah. If you get me talking, I can talk a long time, but. Awesome. I love intellectual conversations. I always want to do podcasts myself. Like start your own? Um, possibly. I don't know. I remember. I just, I've done these before with my friend Slavic. He'd always just touch on government conspiracy stuff, and I was like, ah, that stuff annoys me. Wait, he he and actually politics. he has a podcast himself. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had me do one like. Conspiracy with like CIA, NSA stuff. I was just like, I don't talk about this. Yeah, I don't really find conspiracy. I, I, I do to an extent, but I don't find them really like out there. Like, yeah, very. Uh, some of them are just really bizarre. Like the oh, like lizard people uh, are running our society. Um, Illuminati. No, he he does. He believes in the Illuminati. He like sent me a big chart the other night. And I'm not saying it's yeah. false. I don't know. I think there is some new world order that's higher than the government. Yeah, I've seen like there's eight different banks and families that run our country or run our world. I know the Federal Reserve's kind of fucked up. I don't yeah. Know much about it, but yeah, he talks about that a lot. Um, 
don't know, he told me about like some government brainwashing programs. Like, I wouldn't doubt that to be honest. Yeah, that they've incentive to do so. Uh, I I could see it. But it, the way that he described it was so bizarre. He's like, you know, they, they it's like uh, the the psy the psychological operation behind it. You know, they kind of put you in a trance, and then based on like a sense of code or you know terminology or numbers or whatever, list it off, and then it activates you to do something. Like literally, like Winter Soldier and Captain America. I've never seen that. Oh, that's what he was talking about. He said, "Yeah, it's like Winter Soldier," and I'm like, "This is ridiculous." Wait, it activates you to do something. What do you, what do you mean by that? So, like in the Winter Soldier, for example, he's like a brainwashed assassin, right? By the okay. Soviets. Like he used to be an American soldier with Captain America, okay. but then he like went missing in Africa, whatever, got captured by Soviets or something. So then they they engineered him into this like assassin that would be activated activated in the sense of like acting out they could turn him on at any point right like whether it be like a smell or like a snap of the fingers or it would be a flickable lighter it would be words that they would say oh like, my goodness like codes and so, so they yell out like yeah. rubber duck army red balloon flag <laughs> exactly <laughs> And that's what my friend was saying was real. I'm like, no, that's just freaking comic books and that's in the movies. It's not real at all. And he's like, no, it is. Like, there's like real life Jason Bourne brainwashing stuff going on in the CIA. And I'm like, no. I love that there are thinkers like that that exist, like people that are questioning everything. Yes. But whenever they take everything as like fact, it's like, this is how it is, bro. And they're like very in your face about it. It's just like, Exactly. It turns me off and it turns everybody else off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man, I don't, I don't get it at all. But, all right, cool. We're going to bed. Cool. Cool. Um, deuces, happy birthday to me, so. <laughs> <laughs>